You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Wow. How good was that? I was so excited. I I was weeping by the pool today. That was so powerful. And just to see... Just to see the life on the faces of the people sharing their stories. I mean, I don't think there is anything more compelling than seeing a transformed life and seeing the life on someone's face when they've encountered the transforming power of Jesus. And uh, wow, that has done me good. Has that done anyone else good? That has done me a lot of good today. So brilliant and congratulations. Well done. To, to Tender and Ruth, Adele, Natalia and Drevan, just brilliant. Maybe, um, maybe you're here, you've not been baptized yet. Maybe you'd call yourself a Christian and for whatever reason haven't got round to it or, or haven't seen it necessary. We believe this is a really important spiritual act in the life of the believer. And some people, you know, they, they give their lives to Jesus, they become Christian and, and very quickly are baptized and some put it off it doesn't matter where, where you're at. If witnessing that today, you know you need to get baptized, then look out for our next baptism service. It's going to be in October. We'll start promoting it just as we come out of the summer. And uh, you can put your name down and, and let it be you giving your testimony next time around. Also, I hope you heard the thread that came through. I think all of our testimonies in this service and the one uh, earlier of somebody somehow playing a part in all of these people's journeys. And uh, I certainly heard that somebody somewhere had had an impact, had played a part, whether it was bringing someone to church or sharing their faith. You know, Drevin said when his sister came back home and she'd been baptized, it, it started to speak to him. And the reality is that our lives are the lives that will speak to others. And, and I want to encourage all of us to be active. Who's, whose life are you impacting? And, and who is it maybe some months or even a few years down the line? You know, we had a, an amazing testimony in our first service of a guy called Ricardo who talked about his best friend who tried to get him to church when he was 10 years old. And uh, he was the one person that Ricardo phoned when 25 years later he gave his life to Jesus. Because he remembered the impact of this guy who'd come around with his Bible under his arm, age 10, and say, Ricardo, we got to go to church. And he said, I never went to church. I said, no way, I'm never going to go to church. But 25 years later, giving his life to Jesus, and he phones his friend up in a different part of the world who starts weeping because his life had an impact. You never know the impact your life can have on somebody else. So let's be present. Share this great grace and this great light that has touched our lives. Well, if you came in belatedly into the morning, just to confirm, uh, as well as baptisms today, this is a family service. We do this uh, two or three times a year. We keep our children in for the duration. Just to confirm, if you have a little one under the age of two, our parent and baby room downstairs uh, is available and open as usual. But for the rest, great to have the children in with us today. 
And uh, we pray that this will be an uplifting service for you as well. Just before we turn to the Word, I want to let you know, as some of you, well, many of you already do know, that Esther and myself are going on a sabbatical uh, for two months uh, starting tomorrow. So this is our last, this is so bizarre to be saying, but this is going to be our last Sunday here for eight Uh, We have been instructed by our elders and our board to take a proper rest. And uh, sabbatical comes from the same root word as Sabbath. And there's something in sabbatical that is about a godly rest and a godly rhythm. Uh, We have been here for five years and uh, serving the cause of Christ here. It's been the great privilege of our lives as well as bringing up our children to serve this house in the last season. Um, and the, the board of directors, when we came here five years ago, they said, after five years, we want you to take two months out to uh, experience some, some depth of renewal and refreshment. And uh, I want to be really clear for us, this is not about the next two months, although we've put some good plans in place to make the best of our time and to have some retreat and to press into God and, and have some holiday with the family as well. But this is not about the next two months. This is about the next five years. This is about preparation for what lies ahead, and we're so grateful for what God has done in the five years leading up to now, Uh, but I can't tell you how excited we are about the five years ahead of us, and we have such an incredible sense of some of the things God has begun here but wants to move us into in the next season, beyond what we would have dreamed of five years ago, but as as we take this extended time of rest, we know that God has so much more for us to do. And uh, the board wrote to us recently, they said a sabbatical should be viewed as a time of healing, restoration, renewal in body, mind, spirit, and vision. And went on to say sabbatical is not a holiday. Uh, And I know when we come back, most of you will say, how was your holiday? And that's okay, we're we're all cool. But they said it's not intended to be a holiday, although rest and change rhythm is an important component. So we've been instructed not to look at emails and and to worship elsewhere. Although you may see our kids, because if we're in and around the area, which we are for some of the time, they said, we don't want to go anywhere else. This, This is our church. So, uh, so you might see our kids around. Uh, they, they normally come to the earlier service, but some of you uh, know them, and uh, sometimes they're in this second service. Uh, so you may see them around. Uh, we will be praying for you, and uh, we're excited. While we're away, we have an outstanding team in place. Thank God for a great team here and a, and a growing, emerging team, growing in the things of God. And uh, so uh, we've got some excellent Sunday ministry lined up. Uh, Tony Williams will be preaching next Sunday. And um, I know it's great. Tony's one of our elders. Uh, is, is Tony, I don't know if he's in. He's sure he's probably in here somewhere. Um, Tony's 70 and he's been in the church since he was two. And he's come literally, literally, and he is phenomenal. And, uh, and he's like, no, 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 let, let someone else speak. Let's, but he's great. So uh, cheer him on next week. Uh, I know he's a bit nervous, but there's no need for him to be. And, uh, and uh, Jonathan Chan, Lisa Boyle, uh, Tolu Oluwatadimu uh, are some of our in-house team preaching through the summer. Also, we've got two weeks from Dr. John Andrews is going to be here. And two weeks from Mark Ritchie. Uh, Our good friend and evangelist will be here in August. So it's going to be a great summer here. And the staff team and ministry leaders will handle the work of the ministry as usual. And the elders, Tony and Donald and Ryan, will be here to provide oversight. Let, Let us say this. Nothing would delight us more than to come back on the first week of September and find that the church 
has thrived and flourished and grown and improved in our absence. That would be our prayer. And uh, so we encourage you all, be consistent in your church attendance through the summer. Be prayerful in your lives. Be passionate in your worship. And also, if I can say this, be punctual as well, because it helps us get further in our worship, and it honors God and others besides that. So we're hugely excited about the season when we come out of the summer. We, uh, we have a clear sense that the Lord is, is calling us as a church to go deeper into the things of God, to accelerate into effective mission. And really believe that sense of urgency that what has begun here of a missional community is going to move to another level in the season ahead of us and, and increase our impact. And when we come back, first week back, uh, we've got three days of prayer and fasting. And uh, just that'll be a great way for us to uh, enter into the new season. And then the end of the following week, you'll see on the back of your bulletin, we've got an encounter weekend. It's be the first time we've done this. Really excited about it. We've got Nick Resky, uh, who's got an incredible prophetic gift. And Nicholas Sarkis, equally strong prophetic gift, both over from Melbourne, Australia with us. And along with Mark Beswick and the worship team, we're having an encounter weekend with meetings through the Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, pressing into the presence of God. And we believe to go through the next door. You know, God doesn't want us in the outer courts. He wants us in the inner courts, right? That's why the temple in the curtain was ripped from top to bottom. That, that curtain temple that kept all except the high priest once a year from the Holy of Holies. When Jesus died on the cross and said it's finished, access was made in. But sometimes we have to learn how do we get through the next door into the presence of God. Like Ezekiel's river, some of you are familiar with Ezekiel 47. If you're brand new here, you won't have a clue what I'm talking about. But he, he says, I went into a river and, and, I, and, I, and I, I measured off another thousand cubits and deeper and went deeper from my ankles until he was swimming in the river. And it's a picture of us going deeper into the things of God. And that will be an incredible weekend, encounter weekend. The guys will release more information about that and how to book in uh, while we're away over the summer. Great. Well, we're going to turn to the Word for just a few minutes. If you've got a Bible, uh, I'm in Luke chapter 5. If you're here brand new, maybe you're here visiting friends and family and church is a new experience for you. We're so thrilled to have you here today. And we're reading some verses from the life of Jesus from one of what is called the Gospels. There are four biographical books in the Bible about Jesus Christ, and Luke is one of them. And uh, in chapter 5, we're going to read what happens when Jesus first engages with someone called Simon, who is also called Peter. And I'll explain that in just a moment. I'm reading from the message version. Uh, the title of my message for these few minutes we have is, When Jesus Gets Into Your Boat. When Jesus gets into your boat, this is Luke 5 from the message 1 to 11. Once, when he was standing on the shore of Lake Gennesaret, the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear the word of God. He noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them and were scrubbing their nets. He climbed into the boat that was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Sitting there using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. When he finished teaching, he said to Simon, push out into deep water and let your nets out for a catch. Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. No sooner, it was no sooner said than done. 
sorry, a huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They wave to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They fill both boats, nearly swamp them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave, I'm a sinner. I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. When they pulled in the catch of fish, all overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. And it was the same with James and John, Zebedee's sons, co-workers with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, there's nothing to fear. From now on, you'll be fishing for men and women. They pulled their boats up onto the beach, left them, nets and all, and followed him. Wow, this is the story. The two main characters here, Jesus and Peter, or Simon, as we see him in the story. It was Jesus who renamed him. He'd been born Simon, which means he has heard. But Jesus saw something in Peter where he says, you're going to be a rock. I'm going I'm to build on your life. And, and this guy who was, was kind of a bit all over the place, as you read the story of the Gospels, became such a rock, a pillar in the early church. And Jesus nicknamed him Rocky. And, and the Aramaic Cephas translates to Petra or Peter which is where we get Peter, but it's the same guy. You know, Jesus saw something in him that probably no one else saw. And I want to say, Jesus sees something in you that maybe nobody else sees. I'm not suggesting we all go around changing our names unless God specifically speaks to us, but he sees something in us that maybe we've never seen in ourselves. And he comes to transform our lives. He comes to invade our world. And here we see him getting into Peter's boat. Jesus, he's preaching on the shore of the Lake of Galilee or Gennesaret, as it's sometimes called. The crowd, it says, is pressing in. He's surrounded by people. And right in the vicinity, there are two boats. There are some fishermen who've had a shocker of a night. They've been out there in the night, which is the time you're supposed to go out to fish. uh, And they've caught absolutely nothing. This account says not even a minnow. You know, there wasn't even a Wellington boot, you know, hauled out of the lake that night. There's just nothing going on. And there they are. They've had a bad night. And they just happen to be right next to where the crowd is as Jesus is teaching. And Jesus sees the boats and, and pressing in, he, he gets into Peter's boat. And he, he says, hey, can you, can you push me out? And so they push out a little bit and he begins preaching from the boat so the crowd can hear him. And then at the end of that time, he says, hey, let's do a spot of fishing. I mean, Peter's like, what? Are you for real? This is just crazy. There's no way that this is, this is any sense. I mean, I don't know what exactly Peter was thinking other than to know that this was a bad idea. But he says, because you say so, he goes. And then amazingly, there's this incredible, overwhelming catch of fish. It's as if all the fish in the lake heard Jesus speak and started swimming for the net. And they're there with this enormous haul that fills two boats. And at that moment, Peter has an epiphany. He has a revelation. He has a moment. You know, and what can happen in our lives, we can, we can have a moment where we understand who Jesus is. I had a moment in my life. I was 17 years of age. You know, some of the guys here said, I, I don't remember a moment. It was more a journey. It doesn't have to be a moment. But here, Peter, he has a moment. And he says, get away from me. I, I'm a sinner. I, I'm not. I'm the bad guy. But Jesus says, no, I've got a plan for you. 
What a great picture for us. You know, with Jesus in our boat, everything changes. What we could, you know, what we could do without Jesus in our boat, as it were, is entirely different from what we can do with Jesus in our boat. When Jesus comes into our world, everything changes. When we get to see who he is and begin to discover our destiny, our purpose and our calling. Three thoughts for us today. Number one, if you don't go looking for Jesus, he might come looking for you. Let me say that again. If, if you don't go looking for Jesus, he might come looking for you. I don't mean this in a menacing way. But what I've observed about how God seems to work is while he loves those that are in the middle and he would have loved those that were in the crowd, there's something especially in his heart for the one who's on the edge, the one that's on the outside, the one that, that maybe here today, maybe you've come with a friend, maybe you've come to witness a baptism and you're like, look, church is not my thing, but I'll come for you. And I just know God's heart that he's, if I can say it, he is especially thrilled that you're in this place today. You know, he especially wants to draw you into what he has for you. If you don't go looking for Jesus, he might come looking for you. You know, the whole crowd is there, people that want to hear Jesus teach. And the guys that have been fishing that just happen to be within view, he goes and engages with them. I mean, they're scrubbing their nets. They're, they're on with something different. I'm sure they're listening in, but they hadn't come for the preaching. They'd come to sort their nets out, go home, go to bed, finish. And Jesus goes, hey, these guys, these guys. You know, I was 16. I was not looking for Jesus, but he came looking for me. Yeah, do unplug that, please. It'll help all of us. A big hand for AJ Brown. I know you tried to do that without anyone noticing, but we were all just killing time really till it went off. So uh, I was 16 years of age and, you know, I, I did not go looking for Jesus, but Jesus came looking for me. What happened in our family was my mom went along to a Christian meeting invited by a friend and, you know, she'd grown up in, in a traditional church setting, maybe going to church a couple of times a year. She'd learned the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And she used to pray and kneel by her bed and say the Lord's Prayer every day. She had a form of religion but didn't know God. And she went along to this meeting invited by a friend and was utterly overwhelmed as she met people and heard from people who clearly knew the reality of God in their lives. She heard from a preacher who started telling stories like, like how he'd been in prayer and, someone, and the Lord had spoken to him and said, I, I want you to go to this particular address and given him a number and a street name and he'd gone and knocked on the door not knowing what was going to happen. And the person had answered and said, hello. And he'd said, hello. And he said, what do you want? He said, I don't know, but I've been sent here by God. And the person on the other side of the door started to weep, saying, I have just prayed, God, if you're real, come and show me or I'm going to end my life tomorrow. You know, and, and my mom's going, what? You know, what is this? I didn't know God could be real. I didn't know God could come and invade our world. I didn't know we could know him. I didn't know that I could encounter him. And she's processing all of this and people are getting healed and all sorts of stuff's going on. And it all became a bit much for her. And she leant over to say to her friend, I'm going to go get some fresh air. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit encountered her. 
She felt this burning sensation in the shape of a cross. I've never heard anyone else experience this. Your God has a habit of working differently in everybody's situation and story. And she felt this as if she was being branded. She's in this, trying to say to her friend, I'm going for some fresh air. And instead, she's encountered by the living God. She comes home. She must have not taken any house keys. I, I remember her ringing the doorbell. I went down to open the door to my mom, 16 years of age. I'm like, yeah, come in. And I remember like opening the door and stopping in my tracks and going, what on earth has happened to you? She was radiant. There was, a, there was a light in her eyes. There was a brightness in her face. She looked altogether a different lady to the one that had left the house. And she said to me, I have no idea. And that was the truth. And the next morning, she knelt by her bed to say the Lord's Prayer and started speaking in tongues, a, a, a heavenly language given by the Holy Spirit. Had no idea what she was doing. But through that experience, it, it turned our family upside down. And in the, in the span of four years, all of our family gave our lives to Jesus. My mom and then my sister and then me and then my dad. Funny how the guys are hard to crack sometimes. <laughs> but we got there in the end. But it was as if Jesus started, and I started meeting Christians. All I couldn't get away from Christians. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I'm like, God, are you hunting me down or something? You know, you might not go looking for Jesus, but Jesus may come looking for you. Why would he do that? Because he's given his life for you. There's a, there's a rescue plan for your life that you might know him, that you might be with him forever. And he'll come knocking on your door. Never force his way in, but come to stir you that you might know him that you might connect to the very reason that he created you, that you might awaken something in your heart. And you might be here today, just turned up to, to see a friend, but when you hear the testimonies, you got stirred, something happened, what's happening in this place? Well, the Holy Spirit starts to work in our lives, starts to impact us, starts to draw us, starts to cause us to ask some questions. Secondly, the closer you get to Jesus, the greater you realize he is. You see, Simon Peter did not go looking for Jesus that day. But Jesus went looking for him. And he got into his boat. And at first, you know, Simon knows that it's not a big idea for catching fish. But by the end of that day, his life had been turned around. You know, this was my problem. I, I did not... I did not especially want to be a Christian. It was not something I was, I was not in one of those stages. Sometimes you hear people say, I was searching for the meaning of life and I explored all world religions. Like I, I, was, I was exploring a career in football. You know, I was not really looking for a religious experience. But as Jesus started to impact my world, I started to change my understanding, I began to realize how incredible he is, how matchless he is, how unsurpassed he is, how glorious he is. I remember around that time seeing a, a strange-looking group of Christians, and you don't have to do this, by the way, but there was a group of Christians in our town who were, they were going through the city center uh, with with guitars, singing songs, and waving banners. It looked like a demonstration, only it was a celebration. I remember seeing them and had this big banner, Jesus is Lord. Another, if there's one group of people that I've ever seen that I don't want to be like, it's them. I'll be honest. That was me at 16. I was like, that, that is not what I'm looking to look like. 
but Jesus came looking for me. And the truth is I, I hadn't understood what they'd understood. It didn't mean I necessarily want to go work out my faith in that way. You know, if you're a, a banner waver and a guitar player, well, go for it. But I don't necessarily want to outwork my faith in that way, and it's not compulsory to do it in that way. But the truth is, they were able to celebrate because they'd understood how great Jesus was. And the closer I got, the greater I understood that he is. There's no one like Jesus. You know, I was, I was in and around church and people, and I started to meet all these people that they knew God for themselves. And I had a plan for my life. I, I had a, a career that I wanted to pursue. And I didn't really want to put that in jeopardy. I didn't necessarily want to surrender my life to Jesus. But yet, I wanted to have what they had. I wanted to know God like they knew him. You know, you, you see like Drevin at the end, you see the joy in his face. How can you see that and not say like, I want to have what he's got. I don't necessarily want to be through what he's been through, but I want to have what he has. And that was me. And I was meeting these people. I was like, I, I want to have what they have. But then it dawned on me that in one way or another, all of these people had committed their lives to follow Jesus. I wanted to have what they had, but I didn't necessarily want to do what they'd done. But I came to realize I could only have what they had if I did what they'd done. But my problem was that Jesus wasn't big enough in my view at that point. I, I didn't know whether he would be a good career move for me. I didn't know whether following Jesus would really be a big idea for my life, whether it would be financially beneficial or not. And then something started to happen and I started to understand who this Jesus is. And I remember one day a preacher came and preached about the cross, that this incredible Jesus, Jesus, God the Son, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the matchless one, the one that was before all things and is after all things, the one who is in heaven and around whom tens of thousands of angels sing, holy, holy is the Lord. This incredible, all-powerful one that spoke and the heavens and the earth were created, that he came and laid down his life for me, grotty little me on the cross. And he said, it is finished. And he died that my sin might be forgiven. And in a moment, I understood how tiny I was and how magnificent he was. And I remember coming to a point of having resisted for six months of, of pushing my way out of a little pew in a traditional church building and going down the front and standing and praying a prayer. You know, Jesus, he, he gets into Peter's boat. He says, let's go fishing. Peter goes, he says it politely, but he's really thinking, that's a stupid idea. But I'll do it for you because you've just spoken to all these people and you seem like an important person. But by the end of it, he's seen something of who Jesus is. He's seen the magnificence of Jesus. His response isn't, wow, that was a good trick. You know, he understood this was not the work of a magician. This was the work of a creator. The one who made the fish, who says, fish, nets. And they're like, Whew. And he says, I'm a sinner. I'm like, please, get away from me. I can't handle this. I can't handle your holiness. Like, I, you don't know who I am. Like, I'm, 
I can't engage with this. Uh, like, I'm not a Pharisee. I'm, I'm not a holy person. I'm not a religious. I'm a fisherman. I've done stuff. I've got a story to tell. And Jesus isn't like, oh, okay, I didn't realize that. I thought you were a good guy. Jesus says, I know everything about you, and I'm cool. It's all right. I've come that you may have life. I've come that you may know the very reason that I created you. I've come that you might follow me, and in following me, find the very purpose of your life. They come out. It says they, they left their nets and their boats and everything and followed him. And Jesus says, from now on, I'm changing your purpose. You've been catching fish, you're going to catch people. You're in the people business now. And Peter goes on to have the most incredible life that he could ever had. In our early service, a guy, Ricardo, talked about how you know, he was trying to be someone he was not. And then he met Jesus. You know, many of us, we can be trying to work our lives out. But let me tell you, if we let go of who we are trying to be and follow after Jesus, we enter into freedom. It's like we give away the rights of our lives and it looks like we're giving away our freedom. But what happens is we enter into our freedom. Who can agree with that? Who can testify that that's true? You know, there's people that have, have done this. It's, you know, like when I gave my life to Jesus, I thought I was surrendering the rights to my life. And, and in a way I was, but at the same time, I was entering to everything God had for me, which was so much more than I had for myself. And here's the third point, therefore, the more you surrender to Jesus, the more you get back in return. You know, we can want to hold on to our lives, want to stay in control. We can think following Jesus is a great risk. You know, elsewhere, Jesus says, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. I mean, this is a topsy-turvy message, but I want to stand here and testify, you know, what is it now? Try to work it out. I've been a Christian nearly 30 years, and I can testify. This is true. I gave my life away, and I found it. I tried to hold on to it, and I was losing it. Jesus is worth following. The more you surrender to Jesus, the more you get back in return. You know, Peter's in the boat, and Jesus says in another account of the same story, come, follow me. It's a game-changing moment in Peter's life. An invitation, a challenge. And, you know, I, I dare believe in this moment the Holy Spirit would brood over this great gathering here today and say, will you come follow me? You know, some young people, some old people, some people who've never been in church or maybe not for many years. And it's like Jesus would come and say, will you follow me? Will you take hold of my hand? Will you understand that I only have good in store for you? Will you allow me to be a savior for you? Will you follow after me? Will you give your life away and in so doing, find it? Because this is what he does. This is what he does. You know, in a moment we're gonna pray. I'm not gonna force anything here today, but there might be some of you and you say, today's my day. I want to make my peace with God. I feel a long way from God. I know there are things standing in the way between me and God. But today, if I could pray and put that right, 
Today, if I could pray and find forgiveness. Today, if I could pray and find peace in place of my anxiety. Make a decision to follow Jesus and go on a journey from this day forward. And let me tell you, it is a journey, not an event. Jesus will come in at a point of prayer and change your life from that moment. But it's a process. It takes time. At the end of those several months when I was 17, I, I came down the front of a church and I, I prayed a prayer. Looking back, I didn't know what I was doing. But I knew I meant it. But it's the most important thing I ever did in my life. And I know without any shadow of a doubt that whatever happens here until I die, it will still be the most important thing I ever did in my life. The game changer. When Jesus gets into your boat. And it's time for some, somebody here today to say, Jesus, I invite you into my boat to pray a prayer, to open up your heart to him and to begin a journey, begin a process. A little after that time, I, I went to a different church and it's about 15 years later, I'd not been inside that little church where I gave my life to Jesus. I remember I drove near where that church was and I noticed the spire and I thought, wow, God's done so much in my life since then. And, and I went and I drew up by the church and it was a Friday afternoon and I thought, I just want to go in again. And I, and I knocked on the vicarage door and there was nobody in and I, I knocked on, there was like a, a church hall door and there were a couple of ladies doing some stuff. I said, oh, hi, my name's Martin. I'm, I'm, I'm a minister in a church now, but... I gave my life to Jesus in this church 15 years ago. Is there any chance I could come in? And they're very trusting and they let me in and I was there all by myself and I went and sat in the same pew that I'd pushed out my way out of 15 years earlier. And I just thought back of all the goodness of God in my life. The best thing I ever did when I gave my life to Jesus and I decided to follow him. And with nobody else in the room, I, I stepped out and I walked down the front and I, I knelt down, I gave my life to Jesus all over again. And I want to tell you, it was so much easier the second time around. And not because there was no one there, but because 15 years on, I was able to say, He is so trustworthy. It was like I stepped out, not quite knowing what I was doing, but knowing I should. But 15 years on, I was like, I'll do this in a heartbeat because that was the best thing I could ever have done. And so we're going to pray. And I don't know, there may be somebody here where you say, I'm, I'm ready to make my peace with God today. And I'd just love to pray with you if that's you. I wonder, can we bow our heads and close our eyes? Jesus, thank you. You are so incredible. You're so amazing. Thank you, you change us from the inside out. Thank you, no matter how good our life is, with you in our boat, it gets better. And no matter how bad and broken and messed up our life is, you're ready to come in and help to rebuild. Thank you. Thank you. You know everybody here. You know every journey. You know every point where we've messed up, the things we've got wrong. And Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment that you'd come and impact hearts in this room. Come, Holy Spirit. My 
our words will not persuade a person. But when you come and knock on the door of our hearts, we know it. So with eyes closed and heads bowed, I want to simply ask you, do you want to make your peace with God here today? Do you want to invite Jesus into your life, your boat, as it were? Are you able to say like Peter said, I'll, I'll come and I'll follow after you? Like these wonderful people whose stories you've heard to receive a savior, receive cleansing on the inside. If you would, I'm going to invite you right now to put your hand high in the air. I'm not going to invite you to come down the front like I had to. But you want to respond to Jesus, put your hand high in the air in this place so I can see you. Great, great, great. Yeah, yeah. In a moment, we're going to pray, those that are responding. If anyone else, just raise your hand right now before we move on. Now I'm going to pray a prayer. And where you are, I'm going to invite you to pray it out. If you're already a follower of Jesus to help those that are responding, I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud. And if you're raised your hand, if you pray this prayer and you mean it, this will be a day that changes your life just like it was for Simon Peter. Because God who created the heavens and the earth will hear your heart and hear your words and take you at your word. Come into your boat and begin to change your life and your world. So together and particularly those that are responding, pray with me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I acknowledge I am a sinner in, the, in need of a savior. Please forgive me and give me a new start. Cleanse me. I give my life to you today. I choose to follow you. I invite you into my boat. Come and be Lord. Come in by your Holy Spirit. Lead me, guide me into all you have for me. And help me to be true to this prayer in the days and weeks and the months and years ahead. Amen. And so I pray, Lord, for every person that responds in this place. Would you come as they have prayed by the power of your Holy Spirit and take them on an incredible journey of knowing you and living for you and being transformed by your power and your grace. In Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen.